Thanks, Pastor Kevin. Thanks, Joanne. What an awesome uh, setup to our time in the Word this morning. The way that God uses transitions for transformation. Uh, sometimes we're not looking for those transitions. Sometimes we're not sure we even want some transformation. And yet, that's what we're going to find out even this morning in the life of David. Uh, the way he modeled through some of what he wrote in the Psalms, uh, expressions, these prayers that declare uh, what, what it looks like. Uh, to say to God how we feel when we're going through transition. So we're going to get in that in just a second. Also, I do want to join Pastor Kevin in saying what a significant weekend this is with Memorial Day uh, tomorrow. Uh, we as Christians, we know better than anyone else what it means to be a follower of our Creator, the one who paid the ultimate price with his life for our sins, uh, to redeem us. And so we also, uh, above and beyond anyone else, we want to be the ones that acknowledge the sacrifice that uh, was made by those who gave up their lives serving to protect our country. So for those of you, loved ones, family, friends who have lost someone, we stand with you during this time and we say thank you and show our gratitude. Would you do that with me as we just uh, say thank you to them, whether you're here or joining online. And I know with Memorial Day, it's typically uh, more traditional to, uh, to pay attention and acknowledge those that, that gave up their life in serving our country, but also want to thank those that are continuing to serve. Uh, we also, yes, we also have, uh, there are, there's often many who join us online who are stationed in other parts of the world, and so we want to say thank you for your, the way you continue to serve and care for us in such a unique way. Well, we're going through a series right now. In fact, we're about to wrap it up. Next weekend, Pastor Gus will wrap up this series that we've been in titled After God's Heart. We've been looking at this as a way to journey through the life of David, King David. Did you know that there's more written in Scripture? With the exception of Jesus, there's more written in Scripture about David than anyone else. Uh, there's so much that we can learn from his journey, his conversations, his triumphs, but also his failures. And we've been looking at that as a church, walking through that together. We actually got the title for this series right out of the scriptures uh, in the Old Testament from 1 Samuel. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people. And so we've been asking ourselves, what does it mean for us to be a people after God's heart? What an amazing gift God gives us in the scriptures that we don't have to guess what does God want from us? He wants our hearts. His heart belongs to us. You might be in this room right now or maybe joining online, not even sure why you're here. Maybe you're asking questions, some hard questions to God right now and you're struggling, you're in a place, you're not even sure if you believe in God. Let me tell you, if you're here, you're in the right place. You're putting your heart before the Lord in a way that's saying, God, I, don't, I may not know how this is all going to work out. Not even sure I know who you are, but I, I want to be after you. And so you are in the right place. Welcome. What I want to do is kind of recap a little bit of what's happened in the life of David. We've spent a couple months here kind of digging into some of his stories. Let me kind of bring us back to where, where we've been. 
This all takes place around 1000 BC, so just a few years ago. Uh, David was the youngest of seven sons. He was the runt of the family. In fact, I say that's very specifically because there are a number of occasions where uh, David is kind of facing a situation where his brothers are kind of kicking, kicking him to the curb a little bit, right? How many of you are the youngest in your family? Okay, how many of you are the oldest? All right, I'm the oldest. Oldest is better. We know that. The youngest are spoiled. They always get what they want. They're always crying. Um, just kidding. But that's, it's sort of, you see this in, in the life of David. He was so uh, often overlooked by his brothers. In fact, quick story highlight. You may remember back when God told Samuel, the prophet Samuel, to go to Bethlehem to find the next king that would follow King Saul. Uh, David arrives on the scene, gets to Bethlehem. He looks for one of the, the leaders, the community faith leaders in, in Bethlehem. It's Jesse, calls him out, says to Jesse, bring your sons to me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at them and we're going to pick out a king. Jesse brings his sons. The first one that Samuel sees is uh, the oldest, Eliab. And he says, that must be the one. He must have looked strong and confident and kind of, you know, very regal. And, and God said, no, it's not him. And Samuel worked right down the line, and he got to the end. There were only six that were brought to him, and God said, it's, it's none of those six. And so Samuel asks Jesse, the father, are there any more boys? And, uh, and Jesse says, yeah, there's one more, but he's out tending sheep. He's the youngest. Kind of kicked to the curb and brought back, you know, somebody went and got him, and David comes before him, and, uh, and Samuel says, this is the one. But it took some 20 years from the anointing that Samuel placed on his life on behalf of the Lord in that moment. Some 20 years, Pastor Gus talked about this. What does it look like when we feel stuck in a place, an in-between uh, situation where we, we kind of know something's coming, we, we know something's next, we, we can almost grasp it, but it's not quite there, and we're in that waiting space. David modeled for us and wrote in the Psalms much about what it means to be in a place of waiting. There were six attempts on his life by Saul. Uh, Saul at first loved David. David would play his harp and it would soothe uh, the anger and the frustration and the emotional uh, angst, uh, the deep feelings that, that, that uh, King Saul was feeling, and it would soothe him. And then David grew in popularity. And Saul grew jealous, and he had these fits of rage, and in fact, uh, pursued David some six times to try to kill him. As I mentioned, he was a musician, but he was a shepherd, he was a warrior, and David wrote uh, 73 of the 150 psalms that we have in our scriptures. Psalms, what are they? they the word literally just means song. They're these prayers. It's a, it's a teaching manual. It's, it's a gift that God has given the church that's been used for centuries to help us learn more and understand more of the character of God. And as we understand more of who our creator is, it teaches us more about who we are as a people. We're not going to get into the technical aspects of, of the Psalms, but just kind of high level, even though there's 150 Psalms, it's actually divided into five different sections, basically paralleling and, and following the five books of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So it's very uh, intentional in how its scope, its sequence, how it's laid out. And I love what John Calvin wrote when, wrote when he described 
uh, the Psalms, that it's the anatomy of all the parts of the soul. It's not just poetry. It's not just lyrics. These are prayers that dig in to the human spirit, our brokenness, our humanity. When we read the Psalms, we come alive because we realize so much of what's written in there is who we are as a people. The Psalms have often been broken up into a number of categories, but there's three basic big buckets that most of them land into. There's Psalms of praise. These are prayers where they're lifted up at a time when when we want to orient our attention to who God is. Pastor Kevin mentioned earlier, when we gather, why are we gathering as a church? To worship God for who He is. And the second part is what He has done. Psalms of praise don't let us get to asking God for anything yet. They don't even let us get to a place where we're thanking God for anything yet. Psalms of praise put us in a space where we just sit and all we do is lift up words of awesomeness. That's what praise means, to just orient our attention just to who God is, His character. Psalms of searching, the second category, these are often psalms of lament. Most of David's psalms are actually these lamentations, these grieving, these searching, questioning. It's a time when we find ourselves disoriented. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then the third category is thanksgiving. This is the second half of we worship God for who He is, and we worship Him for what He has done as well. And those are uh, when we're reorienting. Uh, we find our place in a, in a new orientation. So let's talk about Psalms of Praise. We're going to move through these pretty quick, and then I'm going to invite you to actually join me in, in how we're going to pray in a couple different ways uh, in each of these sections. First of all, what I love about this definition is that Psalms of Praise, these prayers of praise, we did this earlier when we were singing, when we were declaring those words to God through song, through worship. Yes, of course, they are prayers of our personal longing. There's an aspect of it that's very much our heart connecting with God's heart. But what I love about this definition is the second piece, that prayers of praise really are also prayers for others to be moved with the same desire for God. It's not just us holding our faith selfishly to ourselves. We pray together as a church called Northland and lift up those praises. We also join the Capital C Church around the world, lifting up these words of awesomeness, declaring who God is. It's something that we want the whole world to experience. It's not just for us. We want it for everyone. Listen to some of these words that David wrote. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Actually, let me go back to that real quick. Lord, our Lord. Those words come right out of the Hebrew there, the the scriptures there, the words that jump off the page are the words Yahweh. Yahweh is the word for Lord that the Israelites use. Uh, For God, it was the word El. So over and over in the scriptures, you get this picture of these declarations, Yahweh, El, the one who holds all of creation together, the one who hangs the heaven, the earth, the stars, the sun, the moon. Often when you read uh, in the Psalms these prayers of praise, it comes back to time and time again to these declarations of God as creator and his sovereignty, the king of kings over all creation. 
David goes on to write, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I'll sing the praises of your name, O Most High, in the heavens. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. So when did David write these words? What was happening in his life? I put a little clue by sort of putting in bold and highlighting who was a mere earthly mortal that David faced early on. It's Goliath. You might remember the story. Pastor John taught about this. David was estimated around 15 to 20 years old when he faced Goliath. But here's what's really incredible, some of the details about this. You know, first of all, with the Israelites, not all of Jesse's brothers went to fight in the army. In fact, only the three oldest went to fight. Uh, And there's this incredible scene where uh, Jesse, you can read about this later, Jesse, the father, actually gives the runt of the family, David. He doesn't get the big boy jobs. He actually is given some bread and some cheese to go take to the guys who are fighting, right? He's kind of like the Chick-fil-A Uber guy that's going to bring the food and sort of nourish the troops and get them set so that they can fight this battle. Meanwhile, what's happening is the Israelites are on one side of the valley. The army is encamped over here. And on the other side of the valley is the Philistines with Goliath, this nine-foot giant that is just belittling and just calling the Israelites dogs and just doing everything he can to make them feel as small as possible. And it was working because for 40 days they were in a stalemate. They weren't fighting. They were just kind of in a gridlock, unsure about how to advance in this battle. And so Goliath is calling him out, and David shows up on the scene. And if you think I'm making this up, check out what happens in this verse. When Eliab, remember, David's oldest brother, heard that David was coming into camp, speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Such big brother stuff, right? Just kind of kicking David down as he's, you know, walking around, handing out the number one combos. Um, And yet, in this moment, David surveys the scene. He sees what's happening. He puts down his large, sweet tea. And the scriptures actually say, I didn't have time to put this in a slide. David looked around. And he said, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into your hands. And we know how the story goes. David goes and slays Goliath with a slingshot and a smooth stone. It's an incredible piece of scripture and story that gives us an indication of what was happening in David's life when he wrote these prayers of praise. And I love like how earthy and how like real this scripture is. People think that the Old Testament is boring, that the Bible is kind of, you know, it's not very exciting. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul the king with David still holding the Philistine's head. 
When you read that chapter later, check it out. There's, there's sort of an indication that probably David had been carrying Goliath's head for a good two or three days. You know, it's a little gory, but hey, I was a part of a big battle, a big competition last week, and this is my son. And um, he, by the way, I'm going to show two or maybe two or three pictures of my kids, so just get ready for that, and, and this is one of them. So Wyatt, last weekend, big tournament, end of the year, it's the last soccer games. He plays with a, a local club here called Craze Crush, and uh, they were playing in this huge tournament last weekend at the Seminole Sportsplex, and uh, battling, 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 and finally they made it to the championship game on Sunday afternoon. We're out there cheering. They're playing against a team who won every game in the tournament up until that point. And not only had they won, they had not had any goals scored against them. They beat every team eight or nine to zero. In fact, I think one of the games was like a mercy rule where they just stopped the game because there was too many goals. And Wyatt's team was facing them uh, in this championship game. We won't go into all the you know, play-by-play. I can do that with you later and show you some more pictures if you'd like. But just want you to know, these guys came out on top. There's the hardware, 2-0. They won. Thankfully, this isn't Old Testament. He wasn't carrying you know, some you know, other players head with him around the field. Uh, we carried, we, trophies are a little different. Thanks be to God, right? Praise, celebration. Not all of life is lived in those moments. Of course, there are troubling times. There are times of agony and grief. We're going to talk about that in a second. But these are moments where we cheer, where we sing the praises of your name, O Most High. What I want to do this morning is we're going to lift up some names of who God is. So I want you to be thinking right now ahead to a word of awesomeness that when you think of who God is, it's it's maybe the first word that comes to mind. Just to give you uh, maybe some inspiration, I'm sure you've seen this coming in and out of our foyer. This is an amazing stained glass piece that a a good friend of ours, Lloyd Boldman, some of you would would remember Lloyd. He used to be on the worship team. He passed away back in 2014. Sort of a renaissance artist, uh, designer, uh, musician, was in an amazing Christian band back in the 80s called Prodigal, won Dove Awards, and he was commissioned to put this piece together. It it was hanging, if you remember, in in the rink days when we blew out the back of the building to, to kind of extend it and make it a little bit bigger. It was in the middle back there, and then we took it, and it's now hanging here in the foyer. These incredible words that describe the greatness of who God is. Again, they aren't words that are saying what God has done. It's just words that describe who God is. Pick one of those words and just hold on to it for a second. And we'll come back and lift these up in just a minute. Praise prayers. Can I give us a little bit of coaching on this if maybe we've struggled in recent days to pray these prayers like David is teaching us here. First of all, end your day today with some words of awesomeness to God. You might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know what kind of week I've been going through. You don't know the struggles, the pain. You don't know the anger that I'm dealing with right now. 
This is exactly when you pray those prayers. It's what David did. We anchor ourselves in the greatness, the security, the sovereignty of who God is. Make the first words that you think in the morning words that describe who God is. The last words before you're, you go unconscious and sleep, let those last words be words and prayers of praise. Pray through the alphabet. I've been doing that the last couple months. I've been in some extended prayer sessions with many of you and, and the pastors and praying for our church and our country and the world. And often I will do this. And it sounds a little unspiritual, right? Like praying through the alphabet. It doesn't sound very like overly spiritual. But in fact, in the Old Testament, uh, over 14 times there are acrostics that are used with the Hebrew alphabet where the writers would take uh, the, the Hebrew alphabet and the first word of each of the sentences would start with uh, one of the words from the Hebrew alphabet. You can do this. I do this. I start with A and then I work my way to Z. Somebody was asking me earlier, like, what do you do when you get to X? I cheat. I just, I say, God, you are extra, and I just, you know, fill in the blank with something. Z's a little tricky, too. The point is, you just pray words. Sometimes I'll, I'll find one of those letters that I can't just, I, there's so many words that come to mind. And that's what we want to do for a minute here. So now this is something that's a little risky. We did it last night at nine. I told the nine or the five o'clock last night. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but we're going to try it. They set the bar high. And so I'm believing the 11 o'clock, right? This is, this is the golden service. So I'm going to ask, would you stand? Go ahead and stand. We're going to just do this for a minute or so. Or if you're joining online, would love to have you put words in the chat box there. You can click some hearts and some likes and whatever just to offer up some words of praise and prayers of awesome, awesomeness that declare who God is. Pick one of those words. You might think of other words that are not on there. And I want to ask us to just, if you would, shout out those words or say them as loud as you feel comfortable. Do it. I love it. Peace. Lord Jesus, you are all these things. You're the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. There's no one like you. If we could speak every language in this room, there would not be enough beautiful, majestic words to fill the space and declare your greatness. And so we worship you as our King. Amen. You can have a seat. Psalms of searching. What is this all about? We know this probably better than any of the three categories as humans who experience brokenness and pain and struggle. These are times when we're asking questions. We find ourselves disoriented, lost, paralyzed, stuck, afraid, ticked off. Might be the times in our lives when we're saying words to God that we feel a little embarrassed to say because we're so angry at the time. And yet, the Holy Spirit would see fit that the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, 
are filled with declarations of frustration and questions and angst and struggle. And it doesn't intimidate God one bit because God is after our hearts. He wants us to be after his heart. Listen to some of the words that David wrote. You are God. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. How many of us feel like our bones are just dry right now? I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. These are personal prayers. They're corporate prayers. They're church-wide prayers. These are things that David wrote and expressed to God on behalf of his own experience, but he did it also on behalf of the community of faith at that time, the Israelites, as they were struggling. I was thinking about some of the the personal struggles that we are going through. You know many of those from your friends, your family. You're going through those yourself. You might remember that uh, during Holy Week, leading up to uh, Easter, We had an incredible journey that week where we were paying attention to the struggles and the questions and the things that Jesus was asking even as he was on his way to the cross. We had different prayer stations set up in the foyer on Holy Saturday. People could join online or you could show up and pray in these different spaces. And we had a section where there was a cross kind of in a garden area with these sticky notes. The garden just representing even Jesus asking and searching at a very difficult time in his life. When he was in the garden, you might remember the prayer that he prayed, God, Father, if this cup could pass from me. And yet it didn't. And Jesus stepped into that darkness to be light for us. We wrote down prayers of searching, of struggle, of grief. Maybe you even wrote one of those recently when Pastor John was talking about the giants that we're facing in our lives. Listen to just a few of these. See if they either don't resonate with you or someone that you know. Lord, I lift up my marriage and my family. Father, my children who aren't walking with you. Lord, I lift up my aging parents and taking care of them. Father, I'm grieving the death of my husband. I miss him. God, I feel lost about my career and my future. Lord, I'm struggling again with addiction. Please help. God, I'm lacking purpose in my life moving forward right now. Something Pastor Rob spoke about last week. God, my religious views are different between me and my family. God, I'm struggling with alcoholism. I need your help. Church, David modeled what it looked like to lift up very honest prayers to God. In fact, these Psalms that we've just read, he prayed while he was on the run into the wilderness, into the desert, into literal caves, trying to flee for his life when Saul was after him. 
And so we're going to pray in just a minute. I want you to think of a struggle that you're going through right now, a battle that the enemy has you in the corner over right now. And just hold that for a second. And I'm going to pray for these as well as all the things that we're dealing with right now. But I also want to talk about the church-wide prayers. David prayed on behalf of his whole community as well. As a church, you know we're in a search process right now for a new lead pastor. Some of us are so anxious. We want so badly for this new chapter to begin. We, we just want this done. God, just kind of let's get this person. Let's be done. And God is saying to us, chill out. Just wait. I've got this under control. God's saying, I've been holding Northland together for a long time. God's saying, in fact, I've been holding the church together since the first century. And in fact, I've been holding all of creation together since Genesis. It's going to be okay. You just keep leaning on me and trusting me. And so I want to pray for that as we're still in that process right now. Another church-wide prayer, our finances. We're wrapping up our fiscal budget year that ends June 31. We'll start again on July 1. Thank you, church, for your faithfulness and giving for sacrificing. For many of us, it's been a difficult time through COVID, and we're evaluating as a church our priorities for next year and where to put our resources and what that looks like for this next cycle of 12 months. You can read about that in the worship guide some more. Uh, We want to finish strong and start strong. We want to lift up that to the Lord, whether it's personal finances that you're facing right now, struggles in that area, or as a church, what does that look like for us next? And so I'm going to invite you again, if you're in this room, would you stand? As I'm going to pray. If you would stand, and I want you to hold that, that thought, that struggle. You're not going to, this isn't going to be open confession time. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud. I'm going to pray knowing that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's on your heart right now. And I'm going to pray for these prayers, and I'm also going to pray for our church. So would you join me? Father God, we come to you with heavy hearts. We come with questions. Some of us feel like we are at the end of our rope right now, Lord. We're not sure how to get out of the situation we find ourselves in. Or we know a loved one, a friend, a family member that's struggling immensely right now. Lord, for these prayer requests that... uh, represents so much of the brokenness in our lives. For those questions and those struggles that each of us are holding in our heart right now before you, Lord, would you take those? Holy Spirit, would you continue to transform us, make us more like Jesus during these difficult times, reminding us that you're the King of kings and you hold not only all of creation together, you hold each of our lives intimately, carefully, closely together. Lord, we lift up the search process that we're in for the lead pastor right now. We are excited for who this person will be. Whenever you bring this person, we'll be ready, Lord. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for these saints right here, this congregation that you've equipped to do the work of ministry. Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, uh, classroom teachers serving in so many different ways in neighborhoods and and schools and in businesses and God, just on and on. 
Would you continue, Holy Spirit, to lead us as your people, even during this time as we faithfully wait for what's next? And Lord, we lift up our finances, we lift up our budget and all of the resources that we want to bring to putting into action and practice and moving forward ways that we can advance your kingdom, that your light may shine in this community and in this country and around the world. So Father, would you give us wisdom for the finance team and for our leadership that are making decisions right now. We lift this up to you. And lastly, Lord, I pray on behalf of all of us who during this COVID season might be coming through a difficult time, some of us financially struggling, would you fill those spaces, Father, with employment and opportunities to get financial security again, Lord? Not that our trust would be in that place, but that our trust would always be in you, Lord. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. We're almost done. One more section. This is going to fly quick. The third bucket, Psalms of Thanksgiving, where the Holy Spirit meets us. And we just want to offer Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving after Thanksgiving. Listen to, well, before I get to the scriptures, I told you, I warned you. It's going to be a little bit of like a, so my daughter, far left, maybe two years old, on the right, um, 18 years old, just graduating. Uh, how many of us have a friend, a family member? They're transitioning from uh, middle school to high school, high school to college, college onward. How many of you know somebody right now that's going through that big transition? It's a huge, significant milestone. And even thinking through this time period over the last 10 days as we've been kind of moving towards her graduation, all of us who speak into the next generation, mentoring, parenting, coaching, youth leaders, volunteers, Sunday school teachers, walking through with children and young adults, decisions, moments of great triumph, moments where there's great amounts of tears, celebrating what God is doing in their lives. Listen to some of the things that David wrote. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever with my mouth. I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. I will never be shaken. Can we just highlight a few really fun things that have been happening? This is a picture of uh, recently I was at this graduation. Many of us have grandkids or we've had kids or people that are now adults who have been a part of the Northland Cooperative Program, right? I mean, amazing, incredible work happening over here Monday through Friday. I got to go to a pre-K graduation on Monday and celebrate the momentous, you know, big throwing of the hats in the air for kids that are going into kindergarten. It's a big deal. Um, Kirk got a picture of this amazing moment. He and Rob, and you can see uh, many students surrounding there, this awesome, incredible moment where Natalie was baptized. And she said, uh, next to being born, it was the greatest day of her life. Just this amazing opportunity uh, where you guys had housed her. How long was she over here in the U.S. studying? A little over a year. COVID, I think, extended it a little bit. Amazing, amazing. Joy Promenade, where we saw and got to celebrate the leadership 
of our friends and family with disability. They were up here leading us in worship and in prayer and in testimony. And we got to celebrate and then make a bunch of noise and a big mess afterwards uh, when they kind of came around and uh, did a whole little parade and just celebrated what God is doing in their lives. Young men of excellence, young women of excellence, outreach that's happening on campuses, high schools, stuff that's happening with Young Life and parachurch, all types of uh, ministry outreach that's taking place in our community. And this last picture, I love this. This is from the moms who are part of Life Hope. This incredible ministry that happens in the building over here, kind of behind uh, the old skating rink. Moms who are in a, a situation where they're raising kids on their own and the difficulty of, of trying to, to get financial stability and get their feet underneath them. And they're able to put these kids, their children, uh, to be watched safely and cared for over here while they go and find employment. Some of them have started new businesses, are in the middle of starting new uh, capital ventures, amazing ways that we're so thankful to see God at work and his faithfulness. And there's also all kinds of things coming you might have noticed there's, a, there's an apartment or two being built across the street. Um, what, this was just taken this week. What an incredible opportunity. Would you be praying for those families every time you come on property or exit property? Pray for the way that we could serve them and care for them and be light to them and show Jesus. Serve Day, June 5th. If you haven't signed up, jump in. We're going to do all kinds of awesome stuff next Saturday to serve. If you've never been baptized, next Sunday after this service, I'm going to be in the children's uh, wing, and we're going to be baptizing. If you've never been baptized, come get baptized, sign up. All of this is online. Missions training, discipleship training, so much going on that God is doing. But let me, let me close with this. I've gone a little bit long Actually, I'm going to show you one more picture, one last story. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Kevin and Rebecca Lang and I, we went to lunch over at uh, a great Cuban place around the corner called Alex's. And while we were there, there was a table, uh, like one table, two tables over us, making all kinds of noise, clearly having way more fun than we were having. Uh, and as I was watching, I could see gifts coming out of bags and hats that were being put on. Uh, and I got to meet this great guy who I just, somebody told me, Jose was in the house. Buenos dias, senor. Como esta? Jose, I met him two weeks ago at Alex's. And, and afterwards, as we were leaving, um, I went over to their table and I was like, hey man, what is going on over here? You know, um, is it somebody's birthday? And Jose said, yeah, it's my birthday. I'm 70 today, which was awesome. And he had the hat on. Yeah, congratulations. So Jose and I are kind of hanging out and, uh, and he mentioned that, that he was originally from Cuba. And I was like, man, there's a map right here. Let's look at it. And he was telling me where he's from and a beach that I should someday go to, the most beautiful beach, right, um, that I have to go to. And, uh, and we got to talking. And finally, I said, Jose, man, I really want to get to know you more. Like, you're a guy that I want to hang out with. And so uh, this past Wednesday, we went to lunch and uh, back at Alex's and, and had the most amazing time for me listening to Jose and the stories of how God has been faithful over so many years, thankful for so many ways that God has intervened. Uh, he's a doctor by trade, uh, a psychiatrist, retired now, 
and got to hear so many stories, not all of them great, sometimes struggle and pain and heartache, but we walked away from that lunch celebrating the goodness of God. Church, there's so many ways that God is working. We just need to open our eyes and pay attention and lift up those words of praise and keep pressing forward. Would you stand? And I'm going to close us in prayer, and we're going to finally sing our final prayer. Uh, that's how we're going to end the service. The worship team's going to come out and lead us in just a second. Let me pray. Father God, we come before you once again. The first words that we want to declare to you are words that just say back to you how amazing and what a great God you are. We worship you as the I am, the everlasting, the alpha, the, the omega. And Lord, we also bring to you who we are. It's not always pretty. It's not always as perfect as it, we would like it to look. But Jesus, thank you that you invite us to come just as we are. You don't ask us to get all fixed up and try to present ourselves as something that we're not. In fact, if there's anything beautiful in our lives, it's, it's because of you anyways. And so Father, would you receive us however way we, we come to you right now. Some of us may be bursting with so much joy of, of things that have happened that are positive and amazing. Maybe some of us are here broken, hurting. Father, wherever we come into the space, whatever we bring, thank you for meeting us where we are. And we lift you up now, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, declaring what an awesome God you are. Send us from this space to be salt and light and messengers of your great love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.